0: as you know i uh, work in the apple store and the apple store is located in a mall oh, okay and yes and so apple <laughs> store the other, yes and so i was walking uh, around the mall during like a lunch or something and uh, i noticed there was a really long line like just coming out of uh, a store called house of hoops which is like a foot locker branded I don't know one of their stores. Okay, okay. Giant line, like people were waiting there for a very long time. Sports ball and yes, sports ball. And uh, so I take a look in the store as I'm just walking by, and there's just crowds of people in there and look what looked like lots of security. Oh, so it was like a serious deal. Somebody famous, I guess. And so uh, I keep on walking around, and then a couple hours later, I'm I'm on a break, and uh, I'm about to go up the escalator. But I can't go up the escalator because there's a large group coming down the other escalator and there's security stopping anyone from going up. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And so I can't go up the escalator because apparently there's a famous person coming down the escalator with all of their security and just posse of people all around them coming down. And they didn't want anybody going up at the same time, okay. I guess. Okay. So you can't touch them, that kind of thing. And then this whole crowd just gathers around the bottom of the escalator waiting for this person to come down the escalator. Weirdo. So I'm looking up there. Yeah. So I'm looking up, the, watching this, this group coming down the escalator and trying to figure out who the famous person was. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't figure it out because they, they were all, it was a large, okay. So it was a large group of very athletic looking black men. Okay. <laughs> And so it was like obviously there's a basketball player in there and a bunch of his security and I I couldn't figure it but out. You had no idea. <laughs> so who finally, yeah, I had no idea who I was who was supposed to be the famous person that I'm ogling at right now. And uh, so they get down the uh, to the floor where I am and like walk right by me. And there's a whole this whole crowd that I am a part of simply because I'm trying to go up to get to work. And uh finally there's one guy in the midst of the group that turns around and starts waving at people. I'm like, "Oh, there's the famous person." Oh, okay. Still don't know who it is. <laughs> 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 and so I I get back to work and I uh talking to the people in in the back and I'm like, "So I just saw somebody famous." do you guys know who it was? They said, said, yeah, that was, do you know who I (laughs) just saw? (laughs) Yeah. I was like five feet from a super famous person and I have no idea who it was. And, uh, they told me, yeah, that was Russell Westbrook. Uh huh. I figured it would be a thunder. (laughs) And I instantly realized that I am a terrible Oklahoma Cityan yeah. because I did not know who Russell Westbrook. He's Russ, probably like Russell the Westbrook.
1: Yeah, he's probably like the most famous person in Oklahoma City right now.
0: Yes, yes, you know, uh, being yeah the one who did for the leave. Thunder. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, but yeah, I thought it was hilarious because uh, there was a famous person that I should know because I live in Oklahoma City. But I did not know who it was. Well,
1: the Thunder are playing tonight uh, as of when we're recording this. Not uh, necessarily as of when everybody's listening. But
0: you... uh, (laughs) Although there's a chance they would be playing that night too. Yeah,
1: now that you're living in the city, you should probably get yourself at least somewhat familiar with the the Thunder culture and uh, goings on.
0: I'm not a conformer, though.
1: Well. I don't do what everybody else does. You know, it's it's kind of funny, though. Um, <clears throat> somebody did, I was listening to a thing, or maybe I read it. I can't remember. But anyway, this guy who, uh, no, I think it was on a podcast. He decided that uh, he just wanted to see if he could fake it. And so he bought some, I don't know if he bought high-end clothing or if it just looked like high-end designer clothing and went to, like, a television studio or something like that, and he hired, or at least... I don't know, hire, but got some of his friends together for this social experiment that uh, basically hung out with the paparazzi and then a few people that were, like, his uh, quote-unquote bodyguards. And when he came out, (sighs) like, they just started yelling his name. Oh, hey. And, like, take a – and the people who are pretend paparazzi take a picture as well, like – The regular paparazzi are like, Oh, apparently, this is somebody who's famous that we should know. So basically, they were in your (laughs) shoes. (laughs) And, like, Uh, that's hilarious. I don't know. There's a crowd and they're acting like this is an important person. So they all start doing Mm -hmm. it. But then this guy, like his friends pretending to be journalists and whatnot, are asking local, just regular folks there on the street, Oh, do you know, and I can't even remember his name, but they're like, do you know? It's like, do you know Josh Beck? Oh, yeah. What do you think? I mean, do you like his movies? Oh, Josh Beck. Yeah, he's great. I love his movies. It's like, (laughs) oh, which one's your favorite? Oh, it's so hard to pick a favorite. They're all so great. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, Uh, so he went around, walking around in like Hollywood, acting like a famous person, and people treated him and believed he was a famous person. So, yeah that's how fame is like people are yeah, just fame is such silly. an interesting thing you know
0: yeah it's an interesting thing because people assume that they should be I don't know like it's this in that situation I was seeing this person and it's like I couldn't pick him out from a crowd because he's just another human being yeah but he makes millions of dollars and is a really good basketball player so everybody thinks he's amazing and Ogles at him and gathers a a crowd to watch him come down an escalator to get close to him. But it's like, it's just another person, but because he's famous, people feel like they should, I don't know, treat him differently. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. It's one of those scenarios where it kind of gives you a little picture outside of the world of fame because I had no idea who he was. Right. And so I didn't, yeah, I was not inclined to treat
1: him any differently. Yeah so. and uh yeah and but it is just weird how we even yeah treat people different and think of them like they're on some sort of a different I don't know. It is it's kind of weird when you start yeah. to think about it. But having said that, if I were in that mall and uh Westbrook was in the mall while I was there, I would probably try to find a way to catch a glimpse at him. Maybe get a high five as he went by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just as much a part of the problem, but it is kind of weird. Yeah.
0: Hmm? yeah. That's funny. Okay, so we have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, tonight is going to be our politics episode. We... Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. So this episode is going to be the last one before the election happens. And so we figured it would be a good idea to talk about politics. And so I posted on Facebook to see if anybody, any of our listeners had questions about politics that they wanted us to answer. And for you listeners, just so you know, it's a good place to check out. Um, Every once in a while, I'll post up there telling you what we're talking about. And if you have any questions, it's going to be the opportunity to ask them. Although you could always send us a message later. We'll try to answer them in the next episode. But uh, we actually got tons of questions. So (laughs) this episode is just going to be a listener questions episode about politics. So we're just going to start uh, jumping through them. And uh, that's what we'll be, that'll be what we talk about. But before we do that, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about us I was playing the old. This episode is brought to you by Stokeshed. Stokeshed is a music and audio production house. Bobby has over 10 years of experience in the music industry. His projects include Foundations Church Podcast, the upcoming debut album by The Fairweather, The God Project, the Joe Moore of the Real Life Podcast, and this podcast, Don't Be Stupid. He is a fantastic guy to work with, uh, really awesome. And uh, if you head over to Stokeshed.com to request a quote, you'll receive a 20% discount on podcast editing and production. If you mention, don't be stupid. Be sure to do it. Stokeshed.com and uh, get a quote. Okay, Ben. First question. First question. All right. Is... Actually, it came in close to the last minute. It was within the last hour. Ooh. And I think it's a good general question to start with. Does God even care about politics? Uh-huh. <laughs> Boy. What do you think? Does he care?
1: Just going right there. Um, yep. Well, since I know, since I'm familiar with the thoughts and ways of God, um, yes. let me go ahead and just throw out there what, what I uh, know yeah. God thinks and believes. Ah, uh, <laughs> boy. See, the, the I guess the tough part about that is um, when you say politics, people have a lot of different thoughts about what that word means. Yeah. And so, the, so they kind of say, okay, well, what do you mean by politics? I guess it's usually where I'd start. Obviously, we don't have the opportunity to follow up. So um, I guess one of the things we know, so if – which I guess, you know, taking at least the Christian point of view and the God of the Bible, um, as most Christians believe, God has revealed himself to us uh, through through the Bible, uh, or at least that's one of the ways he's revealed himself to us. And in the Bible, it talks about how um, all rulers and all those in positions of authority are there because essentially God has divinely place them there, or at the very least, God has permitted those people to be in those positions of authority. So the political process is kind of one way that people um, gain those influential positions. And based on that scripture, I would say that God definitely does have an interest in who is in those positions of power. So from that perspective, I would say yes, God does care, mm-hmm. um, and I think we could see throughout, particularly in the Old Testament, we could see where uh, God used even sometimes wicked leadership to carry out His plans for whether that was to bring judgment on the nation of Israel or to, um, you know, carry out whatever sort of justice He deemed appropriate at the time. And so, yeah, I would say that God does have an interest in that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I'll I'll just stop with that. That's how I'm gonna answer. Okay. It.
0: Okay. Um, according to Google, the definition of politics is the activities associated with the governance of a country or other area, especially the debate or conflict among individuals among individuals or parties, having or hoping to achieve power. With that definition. I mean, I would say, yes, God does care about politics, not because he cares about any, not that he necessarily cares about any particular party or person coming to power, but the person or party or whoever is in power causes things to happen in a country, our country in particular, we're talking about right now, and... Those policies that are enacted have effects on people, on citizens within that country. And so I don't know that God cares. I don't think God is partisan and cares about any particular party, but he does care about how people live. And I think we as Christians should care about our neighbors And part of caring about our neighbors is being involved in politics because politics has a direct effect and very strong effect on how our neighbors live. And so, yes, I would say God does care about politics, not because of any particular party that he may be associated with, but because politics has an effect on how people live and their quality of life. And
1: he cares about people.
0: And politics is a people thing. Right. And so I think he cares. So
1: Yeah, um, I don't think God cares about it in the way maybe like political pundits on talk shows really yeah. care about the way they, they care about our interest in politics. Um, yeah. But I think, um, I don't know. In a way, I mean, you could say God has an interest in or some sort of a, you know, he has a divine interest in all things, big and yeah. small. Uh, but I think we could definitely see in the political process where God would have we're at the, you like I said, um, I don't know. As Christians, we believe God is kind of sovereign over all things. Then he definitely, mm-hmm. um, yes, in the political process, you can say he is shaking and moving things in one way or another.
0: Yeah. And I think that the question, does God care? And I think if the answer is yes, then Christians should also care. But also I think Christians should care for that specific reason that it has an effect on our neighbors and we're supposed to be loving our neighbors. And so we should be involved in politics. And I know politics is typically something that with churches it's often avoided because it's such a divisive topic and it's difficult to talk about. And Christians have a wide range of views on how, polit- how the government should be um, how, how the government should run. But just because it's divisive and just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's not something we should talk about because it's something that affects all of our lives and Christianity has something to say about it. So we should know as Christians what <laughs> our worldview has to say about the issue and engage with it. That's part of our job is to engage with our, with God in the issues that we encounter so that we can love our uh, neighbors better. Uh, Sky Jutani... I was watching a talk um, that he was doing about politics, and he was talking about that same idea. And he was talking about how he went around and talked to a bunch of pastors who were, uh, one example was in, I believe it was in Arizona, something like that. And they had a really big immigration uh, policy that was being talked about in the area. And he talked about to a bunch of pastors in the area about what they thought about it. And they had very strong opinions and had really good theological reasons for what they thought. And then he asked them, well, what are you telling your churches about this? What are you talking to your churches? Um, What are you saying to your churches when you talk about this? And they said, we're not talking about it. (laughs) Mm. And he asked them why. And it was mostly because it's politics and it's difficult to talk about and people disagree and I don't know what they're going to think about it. And they may, my church may not be happy about it and they may kick me out, that kind of thing. Yeah. But he said, what if we said the same thing about sexuality? What if we said sexuality is such a difficult topic and is divisive? We shouldn't be talking about it in church. <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to accept that. We need to be talking right. about sexuality. And the same goes for politics. It's something that affects our neighbors and affects us. It affects our world that we're living in. And so we should be involved. How we do that is a really good question that we need to think about. Um, but uh whether or not we should be involved, I don't think is a question for the Christian. I think we should. Yeah. Okay. So next question. The So this person asking a series of questions here, I feel like is someone who is probably a Republican or at least has leaned that way and has questions. <laughs> it sounds like they're struggling with the idea of voting for Trump. Um, so I think these questions are along that line. So we'll start off with the first one. If as a Christian, you do not agree with the character of one candidate, do you vote for them and their platform anyway? Because you completely disagree with the other candidates platform and character lesser of two evils. Well, basically, it sounds like the question is. They believe that both candidates lacked lack character, but one candidate's platform. They agree with the other one. They don't. So, yeah. is it okay for a Christian to just vote based on a
1: platform? See, yeah, and honestly, I think whichever whether you're coming from uh, like a Republican side of this or even the Democrats, I think kind of either way, this yeah this question could could maybe apply to you. Um because, uh, I don't think it's any, I don't think it's a very controversial thing to say that both candidates have deep character flaws. Um, so I don't know. I'm sure there's people on both sides that probably argue either way, but, uh, I think general consensus among most Americans is we've got the two main candidates we have that represent the Republican and Democratic party. It certainly have character flaws. And so people are trying to kind of look past that and, and look at, uh, The platform or whatever and i've heard some say well even basically say that thing well maybe if you don't like the candidate vote the platform and so look at what the party stands for the problem that i have with that is what assurances do you have that that candidate is going to follow that platform for one yeah um (laughs) candidates for the most part will kind of say whatever they need to say to get elected and this isn't even anything new um like a really good recent example is when Obama said a whole lot of things when promoting uh, health care reform and the Affordable Care Act that later on turned out to be totally not true. Like the most famous thing he said was, if you like your plan, you can keep it. Now, um, I'm yeah, I'm not saying that whether – I'm not just trying to single out Obama because every president – probably since Washington has said whatever they needed to say to get certain legislation through uh, Congress and, you know, and through Senate. But the, um, the point is being when candidates are campaigning to either get elected or to pass legislation, they will pretty well tell voters what is important for them to say at the time. Um, You know, another example could be in 2008, Obama said he believed marriage was between a man and a woman. His position on marriage changed quite a bit during his presidency. You could say, now, whether or not he was lying in 08 or he just changed his opinion with the times or became enlightened, whatever, who knows. But candidates will say whatever. So when it comes to the election, my whole point in all that is whatever they say during the campaigning process, I would say take that with a grain of salt. But what we do. Especially if they don't have a good character. <laughs> yes, especially. And that's, and that's just it. Like. How much less can you trust it if they've demonstrated time and again to lack any sort of good character? And beyond that, so we may or may not know exactly how they're going to um, operate once in that position. But what we can know for certain is what kind of character they have based on how they've acted in the past. So so that's what I'd say is I'm going to put character before the platform because... One, I can know for certain, and the other one, it's like, well, maybe, and so, yeah. And I just, I have a hard time buying the thing. It's like, well, I know for certain, this one, what they'll do on most political things, but maybe this one will do some things that I like, but it's like, at what cost, though? You know what I mean? Um,
0: I think the fact that somebody, that whole idea that you can vote for the platform and not the person themselves, I think ignores the fact that it is a person that you're voting for. (laughs) Right. It's like, you can't, you can't vote just based on issues because it's not issues that you're voting on. You're voting on the person that they will be our president.
1: Right. Yeah. So like if a, if a vote came up on a particular issue where you could vote yes or no on that particular legislation or whatever, then that, yeah, Yeah. that's voting on the platform or the issue. (laughs) But when candidates mm-hmm. run for office, you're voting for so much more.
0: Yeah, you're voting for that person. You're not voting for
1: the things that they they say they uh, believe. Um. So yeah. Well, I guess the other thing, so like the the idea also with the lesser of two evils is, um, you know, how far does that go with that question? Because you could say, well, um, I mean. What's the tactic? Uh, reductio ad absurdum, the logical mm-hmm. um, tactic of basically taking things to their logical conclusion. So, th- the lesser two evils argument at some point at some point has to have an end to it. Um, so you could look at, yeah. you know, maybe you have Hitler and Stalin running for political office, and you could say, well, you know, Hitler's killed a lot less people than Stalin, so. Uh, Hitler's the lesser of two evils, so I will promote and vote for him. But it's like, they're both really terrible people to have in power. So, how you know what I mean? Like, at some point, you got to say, both of these candidates are not electable, or I, at least I won't support them. I, I don't know. That's kind of how I feel about it. and um, And so I think... I would vote for somebody that I feel it. I guess the flip side of that is no candidate is perfect. So you're never going to find a yeah. perfect candidate. So at a point, yes, there is going to be some, you're going to have to make some compromise or run for political office yourself. I mean, because mm-hmm. nobody's going to do things exactly the way you want except for you. So there's, there's somewhere in the middle. And um, for me, this election, my personal opinion is that this election has reached that point of I don't really see a lesser of two evils here. I see two candidates that I feel are, that I cannot support either one. And um, yeah. I know some will say, well, if you don't vote for this person, then you're basically giving a vote to the other point person. But g- guess what? Both candidates are saying that. Clinton is saying, if you don't vote for me, you might as well be voting for Trump. <laughs> and Trump is saying, if you don't vote for me, you might as well be voting for Clinton. And I'm telling both of them, um, no, I don't like either of you and I'm not voting for you. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm not saying that's how uh, yes. everybody needs to vote. I can I'm somewhat sympathetic to the argument of, well, there's certain issues and I, you know, maybe some say, Well, I, I know how Trump stands on this. Um, Clinton at least says she'll maybe do this or that, which I can agree with. Maybe it's some maybe it's on issues of immigration or, you know, helping refugees or whatever. Um Maybe if for somebody who's pro-life, they say, well, Trump at least is sympathetic to the pro-life cause or appears to be. I know Clinton is definitely pro-choice and will actively promote abortion. So, you know, I I can kind of understand where you're coming from there, but you got to think you're voting for a lot more than just those issues. Like you said, Josh, you're voting for a person.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, On that note, the whole, if you're not, because voting third party, if you vote for this person, you're voting. Yeah. It's hard to explain that without using exact examples. So <laughs> the another question was, is voting third party really, in quotes, a vote for Clinton? Uh, so again, this is from the Trump perspective. Yeah. Um, and this is exactly what you're talking about, that you're basically, I'm not voting for either of you, and it's not a vote for either of you. And with the whole third party thing, would a vote for Gary Johnson be a vote for Hillary? Because that's what a lot of Trump supporters have said. Vote for Gary Johnson is a vote for Hillary. That by definition is not true. Right. <laughs> a vote for Gary Johnson is a vote for Gary Johnson. Yeah. I mean, it may not be a vote for Trump, but it's definitely not a vote for Hillary. It's yeah. a vote for Gary Johnson. Uh, so I would say the answer to that question is no, it's not. It's a vote for the person that they're voting for.
1: Yeah. And well, you could maybe say it's one, you know, like, let's say you're definitely not going to vote for Clinton. You're considering voting for Trump. Well, yeah, if you don't vote for Trump, then you're definitely, in a sense, taking a vote away from him. But there's a lot of people out there that would have never voted for him in the first place. So, um, you know, like, I feel like that whole thing kind of assumes that you would have, you would prefer that person in office over the other and... You know, I'm at a point, I really don't, I, I don't know. And I guess this is maybe where the rub is and where people have a hard time. They think, I really don't mm-hmm. like Trump, but I think he's better than Clinton or vice versa. And um, I'm not convinced that's the case either way. Yeah. Even,
0: yeah, I think that is where the, kind of the, the road meets the road there. Because there are a lot of people um, that I respect one of them being uh, Christian author, uh, Eric Metaxas. Um, he wrote a biography of Bonhoeffer, biography of William Wilberforce. He's done a lot of really good things. And I really like the guy, I respect his work. He is endorsing Trump, which uh, I do not agree with, but his perspective is just that, that Hillary is worse. <laughs> And you have to choose one or the other. And so he's going with the one that is not quite as bad. And he believes Christians should do that because of uh, what he believes would be a loss of religious liberty and things like that that would happen with Clinton. I think that that pragmatism is not a biblical route to go when voting. I think that pragmatism in voting does not actually turn out to be very pragmatic. <laughs> um, I've actually written an article about this that I think we'll I'll probably post on uh, the website. But um, statistically, your vote doesn't really matter. Like, really. You are one among millions, and given our electoral college, that vote has very, very little significance. So by tossing your hat in the ring for a person it doesn't really have any mathematical significance the only real significance that it has is its significance as a statement that you believe in this person and when going with the pragmatism of the lesser of two evils I don't think I can get behind that statement that that makes I can't say I believe in this person so I'm not going to vote for them I don't think that that pragmatism works out very well at all. And when we're tossing, as evangelicals, if we're tossing our hat in the ring, saying we believe in this person, which is what we're saying with our vote, when the world looks at us and says, okay, will you believe in this person? They're interpreting a lot of things about us based on that statement. Yeah. And I think that the danger (laughs) that could come from whoever the lesser of these two evils is is far less terrible than the danger that can come from us as evangelicals tossing our our, uh, our statement of belief in a person, our statements of belief behind somebody who we don't actually believe in. Right. Because it's telling the world that we we are with this person. And I don't think that's an okay statement to, to make. I,
1: and I know, yeah, and I know it. you know, like the like Metaxas as an example, and, and you know, uh, probably, I guess, uh, like Dr. James Dobson has kind of been taking the same approach. Um, there's been some others within the evangelical, uh, American evangelical group and leadership that have come out with that approach on Trump. And, and I think you're right, Josh. Like, they're going to say, no, all we're saying is we prefer Trump over Clinton. But that is not... I I agree with you. I do not think that's how people are perceiving their position. Now they can say over and over again, and even in articles they've written and stuff they've said, they say no, the reason why is not because I think he's a good candidate, but because I just think he's better than the alternative. And it doesn't matter. People perceive people are still gonna perceive it differently. Yeah. And I think that we have to think beyond this election to what is the impact we are having as Christians on our culture and how effective are we going to be in sharing the gospel with our friends and neighbors if we go down that road? Um, Yeah,
0: which I think is the most important issue (laughs) when it comes to how we engage culture, is how are we having an effect on the people around us for the gospel? Yes, I think politics matter. I think that the way the government operates matters. And so we should try to have an effect on that that makes things the best possible for our neighbor, but also ultimately what is the best possible for our neighbor is that they encounter Christ. And if the people that we are putting our support behind will hinder our witness for Christ, I think that is a far more important issue. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. And, and when we are, <laughs> and when we're wholeheartedly putting our support behind somebody with no character, I think that says something and it doesn't say anything good.
1: Yeah. I. The other thing I'd say on that too, like you mentioned about the making a statement is um, maybe you your ideals line up more with the Republican Party or maybe your ideals line up more with the Democratic Party. But either way, the only way you're going to st- send a statement to that party come election day is – as long as you'll just vote for that per- the person that party puts forward because you don't like the other party, then they are never going to take you seriously when they mm-hmm. select a candidate. Um, so if you are tire- sick and tired of the candidates that the Republican Party has given you recently or on the Democratic side or whatever, the only way you're going to communicate that is by going to the voting booth and saying, I will not vote for your candidate. You are going to have to give me a better candidate than this if you want my vote. It's not enough for you yeah. just to say, well, our guy's terrible, but better than the other guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. And for those Republican voting Christians, what kind of statement are you making to the GOP when they provide somebody like Trump and you go ahead and vote for them anyway? Yeah. You're telling them, yes, I'm a Christian, but yeah, I'll really vote for anybody who's Republican and as long as you're saying that they're going to keep on giving you people who are not very good and who do not represent you if you withhold your vote or vote for somebody you actually do believe in then maybe eventually there will be somebody who they provide that actually represents you yep that's how our government works
1: that exactly that is how it works <laughs> and so uh yeah, i don't it's the same way like with the free market and the economy you vote with your dollars. If you don't like the way a company is yep. doing something, but you continue to give them your money, then they are going to continue to not listen to you. <laughs> when you stop buying their products, that's when they start to listen. So the yep. politics works the same way. As long as you continue to give your vote, they're not going to take you seriously. Um, but um, I don't know. It's just been funny. I was, talk- I was In fact, just this last Sunday, uh, I was talking to somebody at church. Um, older gentleman say and you know oh you know the election's coming up whatever and you know the issue trump and i said i you know i really don't know that this election's even going to be that close <laughs> i'm kind of starting to think mm-hmm. that hillary's going to win it by a landslide and he's like well you know but the invalid you know if the christian vote will get out there and say well a lot of christians probably aren't going to support trump i and you know he kind of gives a look and i said well they're not going to vote for clinton either and he said well if you're not voting for trump then you they might as well be voting for Clinton. And so I asked him, I said, well, you know, Clinton's been telling people if uh, you don't vote for her, then you're voting for Trump. And he said, well, no, Trump has to get the vote. And I'm like, uh, you, do you, you know, like, think about everything you just said. Yeah. Uh, if you don't vote for Trump, you're voting for Clinton. But no, Trump has to actually get the vote. And like, well, doesn't then Clinton actually have to get the wait? Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it just doesn't work it's no. a cliche that people say that is not a fact like it's just by definition is
1: not true well i think i mean i didn't want to be too Yeah, as we were going into this i wanted to at least because i know um probably the majority of our listeners lean republican i would imagine yeah um and maybe i'm wrong about that and actually would be pleasantly surprised to find out if we had a more uh, mixed demographic, but um, I would guess probably most of our listeners uh, come from a more conservative background, probably lean more Republican anyway. And um, I don't know. It's just difficult given our demographic and where we're at to not, um, I think about like like, um, uh, Dr. Moore, um, Russell Moore of the uh, – SBC, the Southern, or uh, well, the Southern Baptist Church, but the uh, ERLC, uh, Evangelical Religious. Le- uh, what, what is it? I don't know what his title is. We've <laughs> talked to him before, anyway. But he's been vocal yes. in, in about his um, distaste of Trump, and the main reason mm-hmm. being, most of the people who follow and listen to him are lean more Republican anyway. He doesn't really have to get out there and say I am unsatisfied with Clinton because people know he's not aligned at all with Democrat. And so I feel like kind of this episode we've probably kind of strike the same tone. I don't mean to be so partisan kind of go, but I've, I think that most of our listeners are probably, this is what they're thinking about. And, um, yep. but you know, th- it really does apply to either side of the issue you're on. And, um, I don't know. I just, I'm tired of this two party system we have that says, well, it, you, all you have to do is vote for one as long as it's better than the other. And, I, I just, uh, I, I find it really hard that any Christian could get up, especially when Christians for years have been saying character matters, character, like during the Clinton era, mm-hmm. especially people said, no, character yep. matters. A man who would do those kind of things is not fit to lead a country, you know, not fit to lead a family, let alone a country. And then when Trump comes mm-hmm. around, it's like, well, uh, and like, you know, many of the same people who very vocal against Clinton because of his character issues, not necessarily because mm-hmm. of his policies, but because of his character, Bill, that is, Um, are now totally reversed on that when it comes to Trump. And I think we lose a lot of credibility with the culture. And I think this is going to hurt the Christian witness in America for years to come. And I don't think it's going to really sway the election either way. I think Clinton will still win, but what's going to be hurt is our Christian witness locally. So that's kind of my opinion on it, but I don't know. I guess if you're listening still at this point, you maybe care to hear what our opinions are. (laughs) yeah Yeah. as weird as that may be uh but (laughs) i mean i think it's kind of weird i don't know why anybody would care what i think but hey if you like (laughs) listening in i'll tell you what i think
0: (laughs) yeah i think you're right um there's this general unease and worry that i see in our culture and with christians in particular Uh, about the state of our nation and what's happening with this election. And I think that there's this sense of worry about who's going to be president and what's going to happen because of their presidency and things like that. And to be honest, I'm not super worried. I think both of these candidates are, I I don't think either one of them are very good, but I don't know that either one of them is going to have enough of a drastic impact on our country that we should worry about it. And even if they were going to have a drastic impact, I think as Christians, we should be hopeful and God will take care of it. And it's, it's going to be okay. God is sovereign. Right. But I think there's a different worry that I have that I think is actually more legitimate about this. Well, it's the worry that I have, so it's definitely more legitimate. Um, (laughs) But uh, it's, a different kind of worry that I'm not worried about who becomes president as much as I'm worried about the Christian witness because of who we're supporting for president. Right. Just like you were saying, I think that we're by that exact idea that we talk about character so much and morality and how morality is important and is important and we should be voting family values and things like that. When we say that so often, and then we kind of turn on it (laughs) because it's pragmatic, I think we lose respect and we lose our say in culture. And I do think, I am worried that Christianity is going to become even less respected in our culture because of this election. Yeah. And I think it's our job to try to fix that. And you're, you, uh, I don't necessarily want to, I mean, call this guy out, but he did make these, these, statements publicly. James Dobson, um he's actually the one that you were quoting there. Yeah. In 1998, uh talking about Bill Clinton, he said character does matter. You can't run a family, let alone a country without it. How foolish to believe that a person who lacks honesty and moral integrity is qualified to lead a nation and the world. And then 2016 while he was endorsing Donald Trump, said, I am not under any illusions that he is an outstanding moral example. It's a cliche, but true. We are electing a commander in chief, not a theologian in chief. Hmm. And I Hmm. think that sentiment, I think I completely agree with his first statement in 1998. Character does matter. Right. And I don't know how you could believe that a person who lacks an honesty and moral integrity is qualified to lead a nation. But there are so many Christians like him who are just turning right around when it comes to Donald Trump because he's better than Clinton in their view. Right. We should vote for him because character
1: doesn't matter now.
0: <laughs> right. What matters is what he stands for. So.
1: Yeah. Um, the, I, I got to agree with you too about the, um, how much influence does the president really have. I think most, most events and things that go on economically um internationally and things like that the president just doesn't have a whole lot of influence over uh -hmm. they do influence certainly our political processes uh at the federal level but there's a lot of stuff that's just outside of their control and um i don't see the that a lot of the policies necessarily having a huge impact um now that being said because like we already started talking about you know Uh, Politics is important and it certainly does affect uh, the day to day lives of our neighbors, things like that. But um, for the most part, uh, I don't know that whether it's Trump or Hill, you know, some people say, oh, you know, Trump would be because he's just such a hothead and things like that, you know, terrible consequences. And then there's people say, oh, Clinton, you know, look at already, Secretary of State, things have happened, and this and that with scandals, and oh, terrible things will happen if she's in office. I don't really think it's going to, you know, be the end of America either way. But I don't, and I'm not under any illusions that they're really going to, much will really, really improve either. Um, but I think overall, the, the four to eight years that they're in office, there's a lot of stuff that could be corrected if anything did go bad, there's things that could be corrected by the next president coming in. or mm-hmm. Like It's not like it's, that's it, and oh no, and that defines things for the rest of America's existence will forever be an Im- impacted by this next term of who's president. Yeah. So I, we kind of elevate it to like, this, this particular election is the biggest thing. And I think in relation to the political process, there's so many other people that have a voice and a say that are representatives at the state and local level and representatives even in the federal government that, um, you know, it it is important to be connected on the issue and to go and vote and things like that. But on the other side, this is, we always make the presidential election out to be like, it's this huge groundbreaking thing. And uh, I think overall, presidents have come and gone and we've looked back and most of them, we could say, mm, not that big of an impact. Now, you know, um, Lincoln started a civil war. Yeah, pretty big impact. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, usually uh, a few years, I mean, people said the same sort of things about Bush. Oh, he's terrible for the country. Um, and he's been a terrible president. And we kind of look back at the end. We're not even that far removed. And we look back at Bush's eight years. And yeah, there's this or that. And maybe Iraq was a bad decision or whatever. But overall, I don't know that much changed yeah that's been my opinion
0: but again yep and a lot of the things that happen are not while they're associated with that president they're not always because of the president in particular well yeah that yeah congress i mean there are another two branches of government (laughs) that uh have an effect on the way our country works probably more of an effect so yep um okay so the next one probably need to work through these a little more quickly probably so um the next one was as a Christian, what about forgiveness and grace? Should you extend grace to a candidate that has past
1: failings, but says they have they have and are changing? Um yes, if of, of course we extend grace and forgiveness to everyone. That's what, you know, Jesus said, you know, how many they asked how many times do you forgive your neighbor? 7 times? 70 times 7. And so I think Jesus made it pretty clear, as long as they are repentant, you forgive. The question that you have to ask, and I think this is fair, um, and yes, it is a judgment, but I think it's a fair, if you judge fairly, is is the person truly repentant, and do I believe that there's actually any change of heart there, um, and that they are trying to actually live or make decisions and do things differently? And that's the question I think you kind of have to ask, and um, don't, I think, Jesus made clear, you know, don't do... Like what he said in his time, don't do like the Pharisees do, or don't do like the hypocrites do, and judge somebody by a different standard than you would judge yourself. So I think mm. um Jesus made it pretty clear that we need to judge people by a fair standard. But um yes, as Christians, this may be shocking, but you are to make you do have to make judgments. It's also part of being human. You have to make judgments. Mm. <laughs> and when it comes to it, when somebody says because people will maybe say, Oh, I messed up, I'm sorry. Because maybe at that time and place, it's expedient for them to say sorry, but they don't really mean it. Um, so I think you just kind of have to use a little discernment there and, and look, say, do, do, do they seem genuine in their repentance? And if they do, then yeah, there can be grace and forgiveness. Now, even that being said, even if you say, I can forgive somebody for the wrongdoings, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're qualified to be in that position, whatever it is. Maybe that's a yeah. Position leadership in your local church, or it could be president of the United States. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, th- I think those are all do- things that the Christian has to think about.
0: Yeah. I would say, yes, absolutely. Extend grace and forgiveness. But that doesn't mean you should ne- necessarily let them become president. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, I think those are two very, very different questions. I'd say that if this person running for president, was actually, I guess if if the person that we're talking about is somebody who wants to become a part of the community of Christians and be, I don't know, a, a part of my church, then yes, I'm going to extend grace and forgiveness and welcome them and love them. Absolutely. But I think it's a slightly different question from, am I going to vote for them or want them to become president? I think it's a similar idea to, I mean, I've heard it talked about in church where Giving advice to uh, somebody who's in a an abusive relationship, you know, should I forgive this person who is abusing me? Yes, forgive them, offer them grace, but don't go back to them. Right? Like don't yeah. let them have a say in your life. That is not. It's you shouldn't. You just because you extend grace and forgiveness doesn't mean you extend trust. And I think the same goes for President. <laughs> yeah. I think yes. If they say they're a Christian. I'm inclined to say, okay, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, I'm not condemning you, but I don't know that you're trustworthy to be president <laughs> Yeah, in this scenario. So I'm not going to trust you with
1: that. Well, I think maybe some of the questions there could be too. Well, I know how I acted in the past, but I'm not going to do that anymore. And that's where I say we got to kind of think, it, look at what they've said and how they continue to act on a variety of issues and see. Is that really true? Are they Have they really had a change of heart, and are they really acting differently? And um, in general, we should, I think, be quicker to give grace and forgiveness than to withhold that, no doubt about yes, it. But absolutely. sometimes it's pretty obvious when a person is being disingenuous. And so I'm just saying, don't, well, no, they said it, so that's it. They said they're sorry, so that's enough. I'm just saying, so just, you know, be wise in that. And like you said, Josh, of course, Like, even maybe a person really is genuine about their abuse in the past, but don't put yourself in a situation to get abused again.
0: Yep, absolutely. Okay, this is a good one. How can you make an intelligent decision when there is a good chance that most of the information about these candidates out there is distorted or untrue?
1: Oh, (laughs) how can you make a good decision when you don't have all the information? (laughs) Well, (laughs) (laughs) lots of false information. Yeah. Or especially that everything you think, you know, is probably not even true. Uh, yeah. Uh, I would say you, you, you really can't make a good decision without the right information. Um, I think this is where you probably need to go beyond just the headlines that you're going to see. Uh, That's kind of the problem with the way a lot of our culture consumes media right now is we like everything in bite-sized, easily, quickly consumed headlines. And headline writers put things in such a way to catch your eye and get you to click on the article, not necessarily to communicate even the truth of what's, you know, you may read the article and go, that -hmm. headline doesn't fit at all with what's actually said here. I've done that. I can't tell you how many times, especially (laughs) in the last few years. As clickbait has become an even bigger thing. So you got to go beyond that. Half the time, half the time or more, the headline isn't even written by the
0: person who wrote the article. Oh, yeah. It's written by the editor in order for people to read the article. Right.
1: So, So, yeah. So, yeah. So, it, it, I guess I would say for one, it takes a little bit of discipline to try to find and dig at the truth, and it takes time. And that's, and yeah. And so you got to decide is it, is this issue important enough for me to spend time finding out more? Um, I, I think there's probably, I think you can probably get enough information to make an informed decision on who you want to vote for, at least as far as the president goes, it can be more difficult at a local level because a lot of times there's just not a lot of information publicly available about people on the other Mm -hmm. side of that at the local level. Um, you can, you're not that many degrees removed from the person running for office. So maybe you don't know them, but you know, somebody else in your community who does know them. So you can find things out that way. Um, but yeah, you do need to be careful about getting bad information and you don't want to make a decision based on bad information or incomplete information.
0: Yeah. I think when it comes to this, I think it's the same way we discover any truth. You have to work at it. You have to gather the information. Truth is not something that comes easily. It's, (laughs) it's something you have to work at. And so when it comes to something like this, I think one of the really important things to keep in mind is that you need to get a wide range of perspectives because yes, it's going to be distorted because everyone has a bias and there are some people who are, you know, inclined to lie even. But is if you're pulling from lots of different sources and lots of different viewpoints, then you're going to get a much better picture because even though some of them will be biased, they're going to be biased in opposite directions. You can kind of find the good middle that is probably the truth. Um, So take in a a lot of different viewpoints, but also try to find reliable sources. Try to find the sources that aren't doing those kinds of things. And if you can gather a few sources of varying viewpoints that aren't prone to lie and distort things, then you can get a pretty good picture of yeah. what you need in order to determine what's true. So it's just, it takes work and it takes getting past the clickbaity meme filled internet that we, <laughs> we uh, have to work through. Um, find varying sources, try to look for things that are reliable um, based on the history of that site or that source and work at it. It's going to take work
1: yeah
0: okay a couple more uh should evangelicals vote and why uh last election we had the least amount of evangelical votes in history
1: yeah hmm. interesting well we kind of already addressed that like it more from a general christian perspective than just an you know, evangelical one but um you by being active in the process and voting um you can definitely influence, you know, the laws of the land and uh, which will have a direct impact on your life and the lives of your neighbors. Um, So, yeah, it could be good. But I guess one thing in there, you know, that – I'm not sure on that statistic, um, but that maybe is just like the presidential election, I'm guessing. Maybe. So one could argue – Maybe a lot of evangelicals opted out of voting when it came to – to they didn't like the – they weren't that motivated to vote for the candidate for president. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they're not necessarily active politically in some other ways. Yeah. Um, but some Christians have taken the approach, especially recently, of just being – of disengaging from politics altogether. And I don't necessarily think that's the right approach. But mm-hmm. – um, you know, uh, we like we've already covered this about the importance of engaging politically and things like that. But um, I think you you make a better statement probably by voting for a third party even than by not voting at all. Um, you're probably more likely yeah. to get the attention of the major political parties. So I think if you want to send a message, your better way – maybe the better way to do it is to go vote for somebody not – maybe go vote for a third party or something like that than to just sit home.
0: Yeah. I would say, I guess my perspective here is that I think it's important as we talked about for Christians to engage in politics because it has an effect on our neighbors and we should be loving our neighbors. But I think politics is much more than casting a vote. And so I think that abstaining from voting is a perfectly legitimate thing for evangelicals to do, for Christians to do. I think it's perfectly fine. But that doesn't mean it's okay to completely disengage from the process as a whole and to try to have an effect on the way our country is run. Yeah. I think those are two different things. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I think Christians should be engaged in politics. That doesn't necessarily mean they have to vote.
1: Well, like I mean, as an example, um, if the pro-life issue is a really important issue for you, um, it is for me and a lot of other evangelicals, that's a very important thing. Uh, you could campaign for pro-life issues promote uh, pro-life causes and things like that uh, you, whether that's at the state level or the federal level or whatever without ever necessarily casting a vote for a particular candidate so you could still be involved um, I think at a point electing you know pro-life um, legislators is probably a good way to advance that cause but just as an example you know you could still be involved in things that influence politics like you said Josh without necessarily casting him uh, and so I, I you know that could be an example but um yep yeah I I do but I I know some people say, well you know if you don't vote or if you're if you don't vote then you're wasting or you're not valuing your right to vote but I think that kind of also ignores the fact that the freedoms we have part of that freedom is also the freedom to choose not to vote like yeah Not have not being, yes, you have the privilege of getting to vote, but you also have the privilege of getting to stay home if that's what you prefer. So, um, yeah, I I also disagree with the idea if you don't vote, then you can't complain. I think that's kind of silly too. But
0: yeah, yeah, I agree for all of the reasons that we've mentioned. (laughs) Yes, we, yeah, we
1: don't necessarily need to beat the dead horse too much here, but uh. yeah.
0: And then uh, the last one here uh, is actually a little bit more specific one on some issues themselves. Um, This person said, could you give us thoughts on movements such as Black Lives Matter, North Dakota Pipeline protests, and other global rebellions through the eyes of Christian faith?
1: Okay. Hmm. So I guess this is kind of asking about just like kind of the protesting in general, protesting government. and Yeah sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one of the things talked about and people, people like to point this out a lot is, you know, about, um, God putting people, different people in positions of authority, you know? And so maybe you could look at like the life of Joseph. A lot of times you the example, he found himself in a lot of different situations and there were a lot of different leaders, um, some better than others, but in all those situations, you know, he kind of did the best with the circumstances or whatever. And, eventually he rose to a great position of influence and saved his family from starvation. Um, They talk about, you know, in the New Testament, how like what I mentioned before, Paul talking about, you know, subject yourself to the local authorities and things like that. And if you do good, then you have nothing to fear from the authorities and so on and so forth. What oftentimes, though, people, I think, fail to recognize beyond that is that um, Paul, along with, pretty much all of the apostles got in trouble quite often with the local authorities <laughs> because they did the exact opposite of what they were told a number of times, primarily preaching mm-hmm. the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, uh, many of them were even killed for that. So, yes, I, I think, so you got to understand, you got to take all that into the context of what is Paul trying to communicate. So in one sense, um, yeah I think we it's important to keep in mind there are there are certain authorities in place god is use uses government to carry out and enforce justice um but on the other hand um if the government is doing something that is unjust, then that would be the opposite of what God's plan at least for government based on those scriptures is and we would be I think with it theologically sound to speak out against that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that protests movements in general to try to speak against things that the government is doing, I think are perfectly legitimate things that we should, um, if it's a good cause, we should get involved in it. Uh, cause that is having an impact on our government. It's, it's politics. That's the way, it's <laughs> the way our government works. Um, and also, I think something else to keep in mind as Christians is that, for example, with the Black Lives Matter stuff, we talked about that issue on another episode. I don't remember exactly which number, but I'll uh, link it in the show notes. Um, something like the Black Lives Matter movement. While you may not agree with exactly what the movement itself is, says about the world and about the government, the fact that there are so many people speaking out about what they believe is an injustice toward them, the fact that there are so many people speaking out and saying that they're being treated unfairly means that there is something wrong, that something that needs to be fixed. The sheer number shows us that there is something wrong with our country. Even if they're not actually being treated unfairly, which personally, I think they are in a lot of cases. Um, but even if they're not, the fact that they feel that way needs to tell you something and you need to listen. That's part of loving your neighbor. And so as Christians, we need to pay attention to these things like the Black Lives Matter movement, because it's people who we should be loving, who are speaking out saying that they are not being loved. And when that happens, (laughs) we need to take notice and we need to extend grace. That's our job as Christians. Yeah. So I don't know in particular about some of these that he's uh, this questioner was talking about, like the North Dakota Pipeline protests. I haven't really looked into that a ton, to be honest. But in all of these scenarios, there are people who are speaking out because they believe they're being unfairly treated. And the fact that somebody's speaking out means that we need to listen because it's our job to love them.
1: Yeah, I, um, I would say that i think as christians um for the most part i would say probably peaceful protest is the best uh, you know if you feel like there's a thing you want to protest to be peaceful about it Um, but could there be cases where you know resisting to the point of violence is the appropriate measure Um, i think when you look at world history you could probably point at specific cases where you could that it wouldn't be that hard to say that the people in those situations were within their rights to defend to the point of death. Even um, uh, are we there in America at this point? I, I would. Say there's probably some people who think so, and they're resorting to violence. I don't know that I would endorse that. I'm willing to endorse that, but um, you know, I I think in something like, especially, I think Middle America. Christians have been pretty vocal about their distaste for something like what we've seen with football players during the national anthem, whether it's kneeling, holding up the right fist or whatever. Um, But, you know, I think about there, you have a group, you have a, a segment of the population who's trying to get the attention of Americans and an action like that is pretty mild compared to a lot of things people could do to get attention. Now, you may think that that's not the right place or platform to be doing it or that that's inappropriate or whatever, but that's one way to protest pretty peacefully and to get your message across. Um, and, it, you know, if you don't care or whatever, you think, oh, they're a football player, whatever, it's pretty easy to ignore it too. But, um, yeah, I, I would just say because – I read a little bit on like the Dakota pipeline stuff and there's well, and even some of the black lives matter Matter protests, people getting violent, things like that. And I don't know that really helps us promote the issue or move our causes. Um, In general, I think Martin Luther King, for example, huge influencer and took, I mean, he was very committed to a peaceful approach when he went to protest. Um, Malcolm X had a little bit different approach, but he was also pretty influential. So I don't know you could argue semantics, but I think looking back a lot of people have quite a bit of respect for Martin Luther King at least in the way he um, in the way he dealt with segregation and then civil rights during his time and um, he's considered one of the greatest uh, American leaders ever and especially on the on when it comes to considering leaders within the racial, in in dealing with racial issues in America, so um, I don't know. I think that could be a good example for us, even in our times with the racial issues that maybe we're dealing with now. Uh, but worldwide, I mean, there's some places where things are the you know what they're protesting against and the and the oppression that they're dealing with. People are going beyond just peaceful protest. And, and it, can I can I look at that specific situation and say no, only peaceful protest is allowed? I mean, I, unless you're going to take the approach of being a complete pacifist, I think you kind of got to look at it case by case. Yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of a long way around, but I uh, I guess in, the, in conjunction with Christians, can, is it inappropriate to protest? I'd say no. And um, I think it's also important to remember when the Bible talks about a lot of the public and civil authorities, um, people didn't necessarily in general have any sort of influence on the government or officials that were put into power in America though, being a democracy, we elect the officials. So in a way they, we are their boss. They answer to us, the voter. Uh, And so, um, for us to criticize them and to maybe vote them out is totally within, you know, ultimately in a way, the voter is the authority. And, uh, so it's a little bit different system, and I think that's important to kind of keep in balance too. And when talking about how Christians should approach that.
0: Yep. Absolutely. We could talk much longer about politics, but we we should probably end this episode because we've already gone a little long. Um but yeah. Thank you so much for the questions. They were really good questions, and uh we're glad you wrote them in. So thank you for those. And if you have more questions, let us know and we will get to them if at all possible. Before we go, I do want to mention this past week, uh, we launched something, um, pretty cool. It's called Intelligo and it's the new, it's kind of, I guess the parent site to, uh, don't be stupid, but, uh, it took the place of my website, Joshua and is uh it's really really cool it's gonna it's meant to be the i guess home for thoughtful christian commentary on faith life art and culture so just kind of things that you guys are into and it features articles from me of course but also uh other writers uh other christian writers as well that uh are tossing in their ideas on the site so it's pretty cool uh and over the next week or so there is going to be some other um, some political like commentary on there so if you want some more thoughts uh, from me in particular be sure and check that out and uh, I think you'll enjoy it it's pretty yeah. cool worked cool. a long time on it and it's a pretty cool site
1: so any other thoughts before we go mm. well I'm sure that our listeners are know exactly what they're going to do now on election yeah. day
0: uh we probably just confused you even more but that's okay
1: if anything this
0: episode has proven that uh
1: yeah politics they're complicated especially politics in america right now yes super complicated but okay
0: well thanks for listening and uh we'll talk to you next time bye